You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. But we digress. Hello, Will. Hello, David. And hello, listeners, and welcome back to our June series of Jurassic Park franchise digressions. If you listen to the last one, you will know that every Saturday in June, we are working our way one by one through the films in the Jurassic Park franchise, ending with our fresh perspective on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom at the end of the month, right after it comes out. We are working our way through the movies, reviewing them, not as film experts, because we are not, but as science experts, discussing the science, the scientists, the critters in the movies. We're not nitpicking the, the factoids, but we are discussing the movies in the context of that fascinating intersection of science and pop culture. Today, we are discussing the second movie in the franchise, The Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah. Released in 1997 from Universal Studios, directed by Steven Spielberg, and starring the return of Ian Malcolm, uh, played by Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Last thing before we start, as always, spoiler warning. Spoilers we will ahead. Be, spoilers ahead. We will be discussing details of the movie. We will, in this case, definitely be talking about some stuff that happens at the end. Yep. Yep. So if you've not seen the movie and you want to see the movie, turn back for uh, here there be spoilers. Same joke I made last time. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. It's, I'll make it at least three more times. <laughs> Will, let's begin by discussing how this movie portrays its creatures. The continued portrayal of dinosaurs. Yeah, so yes. we see a lot of the same things that we mentioned last episode with this one. You know, they don't really regress much in their portrayal of the dinosaurs and like how they move. Uh, we do get more, which is always fun. We, get we do. We have some new dinos. Some big. So we get some new big ones. We get Stegosaurus. We get uh, some new sauropod. I think it's a Diplodocus, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I I I'm pretty sure if I remember it, but I'd have to double check my DVD. There's a there's a little section in there that gives you like a a, a field guide for all the dinosaurs. Oh, nice. With pictures, but we get some other weird ones. We get a Pachycephalosaurus and one yeah. of the underlying stars of the movie the they call them pro consignathus in this one but they just refer to them as compies yes compies and so we get a variety which is cool it's neat to see that there are more dinosaurs so we get to see how they're all portrayed yes and they're shown in very much the same style as the yes. first movie dinos they're they're animals in and this time in their habitat which is probably the coolest thing that this movie does that the first one didn't is while we're still getting to see them mostly, mostly, there's there's exceptions, just behave as normal animals, we're now getting to see them do it in a fairly natural habitat, out in the wilderness, interacting with one, an, one another as we would presume they would have had they been able to uh, interact back in the day. Yes, the dinosaurs are very similar to the first Jurassic Park in that the updated stuff is still updated, the wrong stuff is still wrong yes (laughs) but one thing that they changed is that we are now looking at them in a more ecological context more more on behavior and their lifestyle yeah that's kind of the the focus of i mean even for the characters that's the whole reason they're out on the island is to do a a 
environmental uh, study, a, a full, to fully document the animals in their environment to actually, uh, con- as, a, as a conservation effort, he's trying to get them described so that he can get them protected, which is neat because that's actually what you have to do nowadays if you want protection for an ecosystem or an animal is the first thing you have to do is actually go research them in habitat, document their population, document the state of the habitat, document what is and isn't causing threats, and then submit it to usually the local government and ask them to put legal protection on it. So it's actually kind of neat that they, they showed what the real process would be just with dinosaurs. It is. So the plot of this movie, we didn't discuss the plot of the last movie in the last episode, but it's Jurassic Park. I hope people know. In this film, they're going back to the islands, to a different island called Site B, Mm -hmm. because Hammond wants to save the dinosaurs, but InGen is being taken away from him, and people want to go there and exploit the dinosaurs. So they're back on the island, focusing on the, you know, this is an area where the dinosaurs aren't in enclosures, Mm -hmm. allowed to live their dinosaur lives. And one of my favorite things that they included in this movie, and it's a running theme through the film, is this subject of parental care. Yeah. That a few times in the movie, we see dinosaurs taking care of their babies. And this is, you know, last episode, we talked about the dinosaur renaissance, mm-hmm. you know, starting in the, the middle-ish of the century and moving forward. One of the big new revelations that came out of the dinosaur renaissance was things like dinosaur nesting sites and the realization that there were dinosaurs that were very committed parents caring for their nests caring for their babies myasaura is the famous the good mother dinosaur yes uh from here in the u.s and that shows up in this movie we see in the beginning with the stegosaurus protecting uh its baby we definitely see it with the t-rex as a running theme with the baby t-rex and mom and dad protecting the baby and i think that's so cool that this movie took once again a a discussion from the real world of paleontology and put it in the film yeah brought it to the the public perception and it's a concept that probably doesn't seem you know so so weird that animals take care of their babies but you'd be surprised how often people are surprised when they find out that alligators or crocodiles or that you know even like certain insects, you know, are good parents. There's animals that we do and don't expect to be caring. And for a long time, dinosaurs are in that category that was just assumed they, it was that it was just a brutal time and that it was just, you know, savage and there was no parental care. These are giant lizards. They don't have feelings, you know, it, yes. that, that, that much, very archaic view of them. And so this is, uh, it's a nice way to see this brought and brought up and changed. And I think it's worth pointing out that this, of course, isn't the first movie to to portray dinosaur parental no, care. No, it is not. Land Before Time did it almost a decade earlier. Drawing many tears. But what I really like that this movie does is it's that subtle subversion of your expectations. They don't show the parental care just with the the nice, friendly dinosaurs, right? Yeah. The famous predator apex creature T-Rex is shown to be a caring parent. And yeah. I like I like that sort of challenging public perception mm-hmm. concept. We had to get into like the, the fifth or, or so Lane Before Time movie before they did that. <laughs> <laughs> well into the Behind franchise. the times. Um, it, it's really cool. And I like the way they show it. 
you know, the, the characters are definitely focused on it. You know, the our, our resident paleontologist in this one, Sarah Harding, is the the one who's specifically focusing on that concept. That's what she kind of focuses on with her research. But they also just show it in very nice, subtle ways, you know, in how the animals interact and how the animals... Like, it's really cool whenever you get to see them actually interacting with their young because they make them very... Yeah. Uh, paternal you know they're they're nuzzling the baby like you see many animals do and they're guarding over it and taking care of it like you would like you would picture you know many mammals even taking care of their young yeah one of my favorite things in this movie is at the very very end uh we told you there'd be spoilers (laughs) very very end bad dude gets taken out by the t-rex because of course but the way the 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 parent t-rex the male i think it is i think it's the father yep the father bites him and drops him in front of the baby so the baby can have the experience of killing and eating the prey. Yep. And it's such a cool little parent moment. Yep. They even and make I the, love that they put that in there. The T-Rex look proud after like they even have it yes. get this little like <laughs> you know this little uh, affirming nod and and noise <laughs> and I like that. The other thing that they do in this movie that I really like, and this is something that they did in the second book that I really, really liked. I say they, Crichton did it in yes. the second book, is exploring how the dinosaurs have built their own ecosystems. Yeah. That they have territories, that they are developing family groups and herds, and how they've divvied up the island. That's really fascinating to me. I always liked the scene where they're they're capturing the dinosaurs in the, the field you know, right after the bad guys show up. Uh, they're going through their trucks, trucks and motorcycles, chasing them down. But it's a whole variety of dinosaurs moving through this field, and it's very reminiscent of, you know, like the Serengeti, where you have herds of different species, you know, zebras herds, wildebeest herds, antelope herds, all moving, if not mixed in together near each other and among one another, as they are all living off the same, you know, grass and moving in the same areas and it was cool getting to see that they were forming these herds but they were also having intermingled social groups uh like we see with animals today where like birds will all gather in the same area of you'll have gulls and storks and you know ibis and all stuff all feeding off the same food yeah i i that's it's a really neat envisioning of a of, it, even in the movie it's not authentic yes but a, a dinosaur ecosystem is really cool yeah, it, I like that they weren't just isolated from one another. It wasn't just, and now we're seeing this one, and now we're seeing yes. this. You know, there was an intermixing, especially, you know, of course, with the herbivores. You know, you don't right. see that as much with carnivores. We got a little bit of that in the first movie mm-hmm. with the Gallimimus flock and the, 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 the Brachiosaurus singing to each other. But it was fun to see it explored a little bit more here. Yeah, in a little more variety and detail. One thing that I, I a criticism that I have uh, that's a little newer in this movie and obviously, again, the, a lot of the stuff is wrong. They oh, yes. stick to the, the T-Rex can't see if you don't move thing, and the, the, the theropods are all wonky. But one thing that was a little bit different in this one is I feel like the raptors, the velociraptors, are a little bit more monstery in this one. I mentioned last time this, this notion, the, the ter- this term that I like to use that I may or may not have invented called monsterification yeah where you you take an animal and you strip it of its realistic animal tendencies to make it 
an intimidating villain. Yeah, add in those Hollywood features that make for good monsters. Yeah, and the Raptors had a little bit of it going in the first one. Yes. And in this one, there's a lot more jumping through glass windows. For no reason. For no reason. They... The one raptor shoving its face yeah. through the glass, the car window. Just and that that scene was always weird to me for a couple reasons. On one, that looks utterly painful. Yeah, that's and, not uh, that's uncomfortable. Like like, why are you manically going after this one prey item to the point that you're going to bloody your own face? But also, you have hands. Like, <laughs> right? Why is it you use them so much in the last movie? Yeah. Why are you violently shoving your face through a pane of glass <laughs> when you have hands? And so it's it's weird. They also it's it's that single mindedness. Yeah, and that's that, what I was, that sort of villainous myopia. Yes, that's what I was about to comment on is the fact that they they give them that, and they have now the Raptors are not the main characters in this one. The T Rexes definitely are. So that's a, a part of the shift, but. There are no moments where they really display the Velociraptor's intelligence. Yeah, they kind of push that off to the side to make them more, you know, alien-esque. Like, the the closest they come is that they sneak up on people. You know, they outsmart the group by sneaking up on them. But that's just what predators do. I mean, if you go out into the, the, you know, uh, uh, the plains at night where big cats live... Well, you're gonna get pounced on before you see the cat too, like <laughs> yeah. that. That's yeah, happened yeah. to people all over. So yeah, it's it's weird that they they shift away from. They don't really show them do anything intelligent. They're still you know fast and athletic, but they're they're really just big ninja dinosaurs that are scary. They're not really showing yeah. that they're smart. Now that's not to say that they're not still cool. No, the don't go into the tall grass scene is still really fun. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, and I like I like the, the the depiction of a dinosaur of the compies. I like that the idea of of a swarm of little dinosaurs going after big prey. I don't. I'm, I'm not thrilled with this. this it's so weird to me to see anytime they have this is another monstery thing. Yep. Of having a tiny little creature, for some reason, think it can go after a giant. Yes. Like, Compy's going after a full-grown man, uh, Carter's friend, mm-hmm. uh, whose name I don't remember, is like a house cat going after a T-Rex. Yeah. And it doesn't make a whole ton of sense. No, it doesn't. It's That, it's that you would be doing that. Very, it's, it's odd. It has that monster quality. They also fringe the, uh, the bounds between doing neat stuff and then also doing very odd things i always found it very weird and this could be just this could be interpreted different ways but carter's friend is the guy that we see zap one of the compies earlier on in the movie with a cattle prod yes and then is later on eaten by compies now you could say that that's just poetic justice right right for this character but as a kid it always read to me as i assume it does read to many other people that the compies were taking their vengeance yeah, which is another very monstery yes. trait to put into an animal for a movie. This is this is the one of the first time like we the lawyer guy got eaten in the first one and uh, yeah, he was a stick in the mud, but he hadn't done anything to the dinosaurs. This is really the first case we see of that that uh poetic justice by the dinosaurs. Yeah, dinosaur retribution. And so 
and now maybe that wasn't the intention for the scene and that's just one way to interpret it that's there's definitely argument to be made there but it it was definitely a weird thing that one of the dinosaurs was used as as a vengeful tool which is once yeah, yeah. as we said a little more monstery a little weirder that coupled with the fact that they were treating them like dinosaur piranhas and even piranhas don't go after big prey like yeah. piranhas <laughs> don't do that that's still only in the movies but because we were treating them like that it, they 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 were a weird mixture because they also have moments where they are very cool yeah i liked them i liked what the way they move they look really yeah. neat I like that they make little bird noises. And I like at the beginning that they comment on the fact that they have no fear of people because they've never encountered people. So Yeah, also very realistic. That's true. If there's islands that people have gone to and the birds will just come up and sit down next to them because they're like, oh, yep. you're you're a weird looking tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where'd your shell go, buddy? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I'm just going to say, I mean, that's that's. Half the reason we destroy so many island communities is because the dodos didn't run away. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's so they they have a weird mixture in this one. Some really cool concepts with the animals. Also some really odd, some very, very strange uh, scenes and interpretations. And that is a trend we will see, I think, moving through these films. Yep. We'll, we'll, be, we'll end up talking more and more about sort of the monsterification yes, of these will. animals. Now, just a quick note on the science of the film. The first movie, we talked at length about the movie's sort of appreciation for paleontology. This one, there's less of that, but it's still there. There's still some of that uh, spotlight given to exploration and observation and what are the dinosaurs doing. One of the main characters, Dr. Sarah Harding, is a paleontologist who's there, wants to study the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. But But there's not quite the same paleo focus as in that that the first one we don't there's no fossil sites there's no uh we we don't learn a lot there's there's still some of it where we're seeing the parental care in 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 the dinosaurs that's exciting so there's still some of that that science love throughout this movie but in this one we have a little bit more of that trend and we mentioned this in last episode that tends to be the scientific policy for lots of uh movie scientists of instead of comparing what they're seeing to what they they their notes said, you know, what their research said, they're right. confirming what everyone is seeing for everyone else a lot of the time. They're declaring They're it. declaring stuff. It's like, yep, yeah, that's a pachycephalosaurus. Their neck lines up this way so they can do this. And yes, the movie then proves him right, but he does like at, the way it is portrayed is that none of these people have been on this island before. And so yes. this is the first time you've ever seen a Pachycephalosaurus walking. People could argue that the island's been around for, I think it's two years since the last movie. Right, right. It's it's either two or three, but it's like, it's been a few years since the last movie. So maybe people have been researching, but it it's, the movie's very much made it clear that Hammond has been keeping people away from this island. Yeah. So the scientists, the two, the two paleontologists, Dr. Harding and Bearded Man, yep. who's with the army people, uh, definitely feel more, I'm not know-it-all-y, but they know things instead of are observing things. Yes. You're not making an observation, you're telling people what is happening. Yes, exactly. And that's, while well, in the first one, they were not surprised, but they were intrigued when they saw things because they were like, oh, so that is true. Yes, that's what we thought, but we weren't right, sure. Right. In this one, they're like, oh, yes, that's a this. It does this. 
Which yes. there's more of it in there. There was some in the first one. Yes, the T Rex vision thing, notably. Exactly. Yes. So it's not like this is completely new, but you <laughs> see more of this and less of the other now, and that that does take a take a little bit away from the fact that these are dinosaurs that should all be extinct and haven't been around. So it kind of makes them a, a little more, I don't know, less new. Which is it's a sequel, but it, it yeah. was interesting. The other thing that this movie does... So, Dr. Harding is our paleontologist. So, last movie we talked about the depiction of scientists. Yes. Right? And we praised greatly Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler. And I think that Dr. Harding is good. I like Dr. Harding as a character. I like that she's... She's not a bad scientist for movies. Yeah. She's 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 intelligent. She she knows what she's talking about. She's there making observations. She's being very sciencey. She does have a little bit, and we, we alluded to this last time, mm-hmm. she, she has a little bit of, of what you might call the uber-scientist yes. syndrome going on. That, that we talked last time about how movies have a habit of doing scientist characters who know everything. They, they use them as kind of the place to dump all the brainy knowledge that the people who are pushing the action movie along don't need to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's... A world-renowned paleontologist who studies fossils, but she's also an expert on tracking predators through Africa, mm-hmm. and she's also a photographer, and she's also a veterinarian. Evidently, <laughs> like like she treats the injured baby T. Rex. She's not the worst example of this in no. movies, but there is a little bit of that sort of overstuffed feeling. Instead of being a specialist, like most real scientists are this is that i i can do all of the smart stuff that needs to be done in this in this story yeah it's the time it really stands out to me as we mentioned is when she's treating the baby t-rex because i remember as a kid when she showed first off she knows how to use a handheld x-ray uh like the um the the uh oh boy it's it's supposed to be like an ultrasound, like a like a yeah ultrasound. That's it. That's it. But it's also showing things. It like it. It's also giving a picture of the bone, very much like it. it's a weird ultra. Like I don't think that's the image you get from ultrasounds because we use <laughs> yeah. those on our animals, and it doesn't quite look like that. But she sees the crack. So first of all, she knows how to use that. That's not a piece of equipment I know how to use. Um, and <laughs> she finds the fracture. And as a little kid. I didn't see it until like I saw it later as an adult because I was looking for like a crack crack as a kid. But even as an adult, I was like, how'd you know to look for that? Because that's not like an obvious. That was very subtle. Yeah, she's very she has very it's very convenient knowledge. Yes. Uh, other otherwise, though, she is I, she's a cool portrayal of a scientist. She's I like, again, that field paleontologist running around you know, in, in, in field gear, getting dirty outside. The the one main issue that I personally have, and this it's it's only shown once, really, but it it oh it, it's my thorn in my shoe, is that she touches the baby stegosaurus. Yes. That bugged me so much this time <laughs> what rewatching this movie. And then criticizes everyone else <laughs> and harps on the fact that they will not affect things while they are here if we so much as bend a blade of grass <laughs> yeah but then she goes up and she's like i'm gonna get ready for a close picture of the baby stegosaurus and then reaches out to gr- to touch it with its parent behind like, it." like 
that's <laughs> I know that was probably just for that scene. Like if you cut that scene out, she doesn't do anything else like that. You know. Yeah. So if you just were to have removed that scene, it wouldn't undermine. But that one scene really <laughs> undermines her as a scientist character. And that, I get you could argue that she was in awe, but still, to then literally after the camera cut, she is going on and on about how don't light that cigarette. We're not. <laughs> we're, we're not causing the change here. And Ian gets to have his one moment, which I also noticed in this one. He only has one moment of being a chaotician in this one, where he says, "Oh, that's true. You know, uh, that's actually you know that's impossible. Merely observing a system is going to change it. And that's but that's the only time he mentions anything based off chaos theory in that movie. Which he's much less of a scientist in this one, and much more of just protagonist. Yes." And that's that. There's sort of this compared to the first movie. There's a little bit less step down of that science spotlight. There's a little bit less of that sort of neat, interesting portrayal of the scientist characters. Yeah. A little bit more monstery action movie, action movie stuff with the dinosaurs. Yeah, not so much with the scientists, but one other thing they do bring in with this one, and they actually focus on a little bit more. They did it in the first one. We had Muldoon, who was a big game hunter. In this one, we have Roland, who is a big game hunter. Yes. And it's cool that they bring him in. Now, he's with the bad guys, and he's kind of your bad guy with a heart of gold in this movie. Yeah, a little bit. He's got that sort of feature. <laughs> but it's cool because they show multiple times with him where he corrects some of the scientists or overwrites some of the other people when they make a statement because he's looking at them as big animals and big predators doesn't matter that they're dinosaurs it's the fact that he knows how to function around big dangerous animals yes and that's what we've always said yes it is <laughs> if you because dr hammond says in the first movie who better to, to lead the children through jurassic park than a than a dinosaur expert mm -hmm. it's like uh somebody who's yes. been to africa a, a safari like... a, a person who's been on a safari <laughs> yeah somebody somebody who works with animals <laughs> and knows how to deal with them. That's way better than someone who digs yes. for bones. It's like I said with the last one that it irks me that they didn't bring in a a zookeeper to the to the part. Yeah, you know I like the fact that they brought this person in. You know, but you sh it's also would have been one of those things where you should have brought in someone who works with elephants. You know, how does a yes. big animal move and live? And you know, how do you now? It's that's also assuming that they'll be one to ones with the dinosaurs but it is a much more likely that they know animal behavior than someone who's just studied their skeleton he also makes the point about the game trails yes i love that line which is really cool and, and again that goes back to this concept of the science of this movie right where there's very little in the way of the genetic stuff that we saw in the first movie yeah that doesn't really come up there's there's almost no cloning talk dna talk it, it, it's very much the science in this movie is focused on the animals being animals and their ecosystem. And I love that thought that there are territory. Right? They say that the, 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 the big dinos, the big meat eaters are in the center of the island. Yeah. Roland says, this is a game trail. We don't want to camp here. Mm -hmm. Predators hunt on game trails. Yes, because they're making the island their own. And that's yes. really cool. I like that, that concept of it. It's So they, they definitely have some, uh, still a little bit of that focus on the, the specialists. And we get to see a little bit more of the practical animal side than just the paleo side, which is is cool. 
it's nice that he knows how to he like we see him tracking them and we see him treating them like animals and commenting on their behavior there's even one point where he comments on the fact that their position isn't good because they're they're downwind and yes or or upwind and they'll be he'll smell them before they he even gets there yes and so it's 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 got some neat things once again emphasizing these are animals these are not monsters even though other things in the movie contradict that they still have that vein in there yeah there's also something to be said perhaps for the the subject of what how we treat wild animals yeah you know take taking them out of their habitat which is something that the whole engine sort of pseudo military operation is yep. set on doing capturing the animals hammond wants to protect them there's the whole sequence at the end with the t-rex released into mm-hmm. a suburban area there's a lot of like like hinting the movie doesn't go too deep into much of this but those hints of yeah it doesn't do direct commentary but it it, it right right puts it in the, there the hints of how we relate to uh the creatures that we share the planet with yeah and i mean and all of which are real life issues of invasive species that have been transported from other uh yep. environments you have escaped animals that get out for one reason or another the the big time this comes up and it's it's almost a little out of place for me because it's not talked about a whole lot in the movie itself mm-hmm. is at the very end when Hammond has his little speech about you know these animals belong on our planet and we should leave them alone and and let them live in their natural yeah. habitat there's a little bit of that conservationists yes there is spin to it at the end which is i it's not a bad message mhm it's it is uh and it's said by the bad guy so it's meant to be a uh ignorable point but there's the moment when i think it was uh nick the photographer character that uh or in hiding eco terrorist uh, <laughs> yeah uh but <laughs> It was his character that says something about them having no right to take the animals. And then the bad guy you know, is like, you know, we made these animals. We own them. And, you know, extinct animal has no right. Yes. Which, once again, just hinting, like a, the barest hint of this really, really interesting real world conversation. Yep. And like in the movie, it, you're supposed to be like, oh, you're such a jerk. But it's actually a, a very good point. These animals were just extinct. Do they really have conservation rights? Like, yeah. as we discussed in the de-extinction episode, it's not a black or white concept. And it's and, there and, in the movie, but not focused. And this, like the lunchtime discussion in the first movie, is another example of how these movies were, in a surprising sort of way, a few decades ahead of when we will, right now and into the future to be having these conversations yes, about about genetically modifying animals and possibly restoring in some form creatures of the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same com- question you get into when it comes to invasive animals of, you know, how many rights does an invasive species have? Because there are plenty of people who hate the concept. Yeah. Yes. That's a huge, oh, that's a huge argument in some places yeah because i mean it's it seems so we've had it at the aquarium where we encourage people to eat lionfish and they're like you're encouraging us to eat yeah we're like yeah eat as much as you want and they're like what what but you're an aquarium it's like yes but this <laughs> animal shouldn't be here and then there are there is at least one example i can think of of campaigns to protect animals that are invasive 
and other conservationists argue we shouldn't be protecting yep. them because they're invasive. Yeah, th- these are real discussions that happen yeah. out here in the real world. So it's th- there's definitely still veins. They don't get focused on and discussed in this movie the same way, which is probably the biggest th- difference between the two. Is yeah. not that the scientific concepts aren't there or the scientists are you know suddenly terrible. It's you know none of that's true. But this movie definitely is not focusing on those things like Jurassic Park was, which is probably. Yes the biggest standout for for us as scientists between the two yes there's there the science is slightly more in the background this yes, time it is as with the last episode we think it is fun to end our discussion with some mini rants we spend the episode talking about sort of the big picture stuff but we do like to nitpick so we'll give ourselves just a minute or so each <laughs> to to rant about something in the movie go ahead will my mini rant uh actually has something to do with what we already mentioned but there was another scene that goes in line with it is the fact that (laughs) this movie is not so much even a criticism about this movie but they don't really bring it up in the movie is that this movie is an excellent case study of why you should just leave wildlife alone not saying like stay out of their environment and don't take as in don't touch them and don't feed them (laughs) 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 because sarah touches the baby stegosaurus and then almost gets murdered by the parents and then a little girl at the beginning feeds some compies and then almost gets murdered by them (laughs) leave wild animals alone they don't need your handouts they don't want your pets (laughs) (laughs) and watching it and the fact that at no point is someone like hey can we just stop touching them like (laughs) yes like what's wrong with you people Malcolm is the only one. He's the only one. Every time one. someone touches the animals, he freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why? And I feel, I feel like him the entire time watching it, where it's like, this is why geese chase people in parks. <laughs> <laughs> We're still causing dinosaur attacks today. My mini rant in this movie, and it's hard, it's not even so much of a complaint, but it regards the Lycian contingency. Just because I think they handled it in an interesting way. In the first movie, uh, the Lysine contingency is explained as we have engineered these animals so that they cannot produce the amino acid lysine. Mm-hmm. Listeners, the amino acid lysine is a real-life molecule that your body needs to survive. And so the, the, the idea is, you know, if we deny them lysine and they don't get it from us, they will slip into a coma and die, and it keeps the animals from escaping the island. In this movie, one of the questions that comes up early on is, how are the dinosaurs surviving without lysine? And Dr. Harding, when they see her on the island, she explains, she says, I, I figured out how the animals are surviving without lysine. Now, quick aside, real life science, no animal can produce lysine. Nope. All animals need it. No animal can produce it. Plants produce lysine. So animals that eat plants get the lysine they need and animals that eat those animals get the lysine they need. That's how all animals do so in jurassic park it was goofy of them to use that (laughs) it's it's a little scientific oversight but in this movie dr harding's explanation is i figured out how the animals are surviving without lysine the the herbivores eat the plants and the carnivores eat the plant eaters (laughs) and it just it's it's weird that they kept the bad science decision from the first movie and resolved it with real science yep. because it makes the the scientists from the first Jurassic Park movie look like idiots. <laughs> like I can imagine them in the beginning of the park going, 
These, we've engineered these dinosaurs so that without our help providing them lysine, there's no chance they could possibly survive unless they partake of this glorious bounty of island plants. <laughs> I, 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 what were you thinking? I love the the idea that in, in the universe of Jurassic Park movies, her discovery was the first time this this concept. Yes, was, God, did you know I I don't have lysine either? Yes, I no I've I discovered that on the I went to Africa. None of them, none of those animals produce lysine either. This lions is, don't produce them. This is I. We need to go through who, the animal kingdom. Who engineered these lions? Yes. <laughs> who made this? I don't think any animals do this. This is worrisome. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. It's, it's cobs all the way down. <laughs> Well, there's some science about the Lost World Jurassic Park. We hope you enjoyed once again. As with last time, we love talking about the the science. We also have personal thoughts, many personal thoughts, which we will put for this episode on Patreon. So if you are a patron, you can check out our personal ramblings about the movie. If you're not a patron, maybe think about it. You can go listen to some extra audio stuff. Yeah, consider it. We will be back Next Saturday, in our continuing series, to discuss, oh, just our favorite movie in this franchise, he said with insincerity. Boy, oh boy. Jurassic Park 3 is next up in our discussion, so join us then. It's going to be bigger. (laughs) 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 Uh, We'll make that joke make sense next time. Yep. Bye, everybody. See ya. (laughs)